Live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go on a Wednesday and ready for a uh, big hockey night with the Golden Knights. Much at stake. Golden Knights stories galore today is uh, we just get word that one of the head honchos in the NHL calling Robin Leonard a liar after Robin Leonard said the NHL lied. So we'll hash that out in just a couple minutes. Ari's back in our Finley Toyota studios. Candy, Candyman's here. Adam Candy. You ready for some good back and forth, tit for tat today? I will, I'll bring all the tat. Okay. I mean, not you and I, but, you know, Robin Leonard and Bill Daly. Oh. It's on. It's on. That's disappointing. I thought you and I were going tit for tat. So we are just over a week away from the NFL draft. Uh, This is about when there's a little bit of fatigue and now we look for stories to start dropping guys or, you know, jumping someone up at the last minute. The Eagles were reported the other day as to have some interest in moving. Have they found someone who really competed in rock, paper, scissors? Have they gone hard? I mean, hard. The way that Nick Sirianni, the new head coach, wants to see when they get on that Zoom call. Have they shown that they take three straight losses to a head coach in the NFL in rock, paper, scissors, and they're going to start smashing things? That's what he wants to see, right? He said it today. I guess. It's a weird one. Yeah, headline, rock, paper, scissors, you better compete. Sirianni says he's the new head coach of the Eagles. Have we now reached the point of ridiculousness with analyzing this year's class for the 2021 draft? Rock, paper, scissors? Seriously? Dude, this makes me pine for hearing about the Wonderlick test. Right? (laughs) Like, like even back in the day where we were talking about these ridiculous questions that the prospects were being asked and the fact that it was being turned into a score that by far seemed to be – let's just say racially insensitive to certain players in terms of how they were perceived by their intelligence. Now we think that we're going to learn about the competitiveness of a player by how they deal with going rock, paper, scissors against the head coach. You know what I'm doing if I get on with a head coach of someone who might draft me? I'm throwing the game. I'm losing every one of those games on purpose because I don't want the coach to think that I'm going to kill him. Can I be honest with you? At 50-plus years old, I've never known what rock, paper, scissors is. I never played it. I don't know if it's like a different region of the country. You're from the same region I am. I, I don't really know what it is, and I always thought it was stupid. My response to a coach would be, you do realize I'm not 75 years old. And the weird thing is, I think Sirianni's not even 40. I don't even know what rock, paper, scissors really is. Wait a minute. Did you grow up with Rochambeau instead? No, I don't know what Rochambeau is either basically the same thing okay um so nobody on the play the mean playgrounds of jersey was using rock paper scissors to settle things i don't know maybe they were my recollections of the uh, playground in jersey was talking about the no moss fight at like 11 years old Uh, that's uh, that's what i was doing or you know playing tackle tic-tac-toe tackle tic-tac-toe definitely sounds like a game that i want in on you lose you lose i get to tackle you and drag your face on asphalt from the mean streets of Jersey. I just I never played it as a kid. So when I saw this today, I'm like, 
if I were a draft prospect, I'd be like, Coach, I'm competitive, but I don't know. I don't even know how to play this game. What am I supposed to do? Because I don't want to learn it. Uh, I'm not, you know, 22 going on 84 years old, bro. Andrew Brantz, the former Packers GM on Twitter, quote tweeted this and said, and about those thousands of man hours of scouting that went in right, before right, this. Right, right, right. Right? But Nick Sirianni is going to use the competitiveness of a player. They're going to be sitting there waiting to make their pick, and there are going to be two guys that they can't decide between. And Nick Sirianni is going to go back to his little notebook and go, ooh, paper, paper, scissors, rock, rock, rock. You know who I want? I want the guy with consistency. I want the rock, rock, rock guy. Draft him. <laughs> yeah, that'll go down in the annals of, uh, wow, you blew that pick because of why? Because you were well, impressed with the rock, paper, scissors effort of the prospect? Even more, by the way, Steve. This is the same guy who got up and stumbled his way through his introductory press conference, and we were all sitting there saying, hey, you know what? Everybody gets nervous. Give the guy a break. Right? It's his you know, first big job and this, this, this. Well, the next time that any of us are hearing anything from Nick Sirianni in public, this is what it is. So basically, this is what we know about Jeff Lurie's hire so far. He picked the guy who couldn't say his own name in a press conference, and now the guy who wants to evaluate people by rock, paper, scissors. I'd say the Eagles are in great hands. Well, the NFL is filled with many geniuses. High-level thinkers, which brings us to the Raiders' tweet yesterday. This one's gotten pretty layered. When we saw it come down around, oh, I don't know, 4.45 yesterday, I was like, yeah, I'm going to wait for an explanation on this one because this doesn't look good to me, and I'm seeing people destroy the Raiders for it. Have you made any sense of the tweet that went out yesterday, I can breathe, for 2021? Because it was not received well. Uh, Mark Davis did explain it. We'll give his explanation. But what were your thoughts when you saw it come out? And this, of course, was on the heels of the Derek Chauvin verdict coming down uh, around 1.30 yesterday. You know, this is crazy, Steve. I saw the verdict live and watched social media explode, as you would expect, right? Everybody had an opinion. And it so happened that I took a quick nap. <laughs> woke up like an hour later, right. and all I could see was Raiders, 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 and thought, oh, no. Oh, what did they do? And so then I get in, and I see what, what happened in the tweet from, it turns out, from Mark Davis. I don't know. My first thought when it happened was, you don't always have to have an opinion. You don't always have to be right out there, out front, trying to say something, especially if it's not yours to say something about Second of all, I thought to myself, as a white guy, much like Mark Davis, it's probably my best time to shut up and listen and just see what the reaction looks like here and try to learn something from the whole situation. Uh, but Mark Davis certainly took credit, took ownership, and then probably dug his heels in a little too far. Uh, right off the bat, do you think he actually sent out the tweet or he's covering for someone else? I think Mark Davis sent out the tweet because at this point he has now dug so far in on this whole thing that it would be almost personally irresponsible for him to try to be covering for someone. Did you like his explanation that he was taking it from George Floyd's brother and you know he thought it was appropriate to send out as a message of support 
I don't have any doubt that Mark Davis wanted to be of support. I have no doubt that Mark Davis, in today's parlance, wanted to be an ally, right? The idea of supporting the cause that is not yours, especially when we talk about racial issues, wanting to be an ally. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be an ally. There is absolutely something wrong with having it pointed out to you that, hey, man, this might not be the way to do it, and learning from it and saying, you know what? Okay, lesson learned. We'll come back and try this one again. As opposed to saying, no, 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 I know what I meant to say. I know what I meant to say, and I'm good with it. No, that, that's, that's part of the problem. That's part of what is ultimately the issue here is that people like Mark Davis speaking up and saying, oh, no, no, I know how to do this. I know how to support you. I know what I want to say without listening to the response, without listening to those who've lived it, and the response of those who've lived it, that's a huge part of the problem. And you do believe him that he was, uh, <coughs> excuse me, unaware of the weaponizing of the statement, I can breathe in the past? Yeah, I actually do. I, I, because I have to be honest, as much as I, as much as I had followed uh, the Eric Garner situation, when I read that in Deshaun Reed's article in The Athletic, I had forgotten that from 2014. I had for, you know, we, we have come so far in the ugly rhetoric of these situations that that one was so far in the past that I had forgotten about it. And frankly, I, I will take my own little bit of ownership here. As a white dude, I had the luxury to forget about it because it didn't affect me the way that it did a lot of other people. But, yeah, I actually do believe that. What about you? That he was unaware? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if you know Mark Davis, you followed him over the years, you can absolutely see this happening without malice. Now people have come at him. We'll get into some of the stories out there where people have crushed him. Uh, I saw, you know, Jamel Hill last night just sent a, a, a simple, duh, what, 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 uh, right, uh, on the reaction to the tweet. It's still up there 21 hours later. Um, and... As David said, he doesn't see the need to delete it. We'll get into whether he should delete it. We'll talk about some of the stories hammering him. Uh, also a little more on the Chauvin verdict. But coming up next, we'll get into the Vegas Golden Knights. As Robin Leonard is pissed. Seems like uh, he believes that uh, players were promised around the NHL, you get the vaccine, we're going to start easing some of the restrictions. And he feels like he was lied to. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Much more coming up about the uh, Raiders tweet yesterday that got so much attention around the league. After the Derek Chauvin verdict came down. Maybe there is some nuance to the tweet. Maybe there is something to discuss. We'll get into that. Uh, Robin Leonard's not happy. He ranted today. Candy, set this up before we play the, the clip. Because I, I don't know, maybe I've missed it, that other people have talked about this around the NHL. Uh, are players feeling like they're still under heavy restrictions and they shouldn't be as far as COVID? That seems to be the prevailing sentiment among a lot of players in the NHL. And you have to keep in mind, there's some lingering bad feeling going back to the two different bubbles last year that were set up in Toronto and in Vancouver. Um, 
you know, we were we were shown very different images of the two places, right? We were shown very different images. Uh, my apologies, uh, Winnipeg, not uh, Vancouver. We were shown that the players were under very different conditions. The folks in Toronto had things a lot better than than the Western Conference did. And so now we come into this season and the players are still under heavy restriction. The players are still being told, don't go out, don't socialize, don't do this, don't do that. We've been hearing it all season long. It started out with Alex Ovechkin and some other uh, Russian players from the Washington Capitals who were being told, hey, you're you're doing things you're not supposed to do. You shouldn't be hanging out together in hotel rooms on the road. And it's been going on all season long. So I think there's sort of you know been some bubble up all year with the players that even stretches back into last year. Knights goalie Robin Leonard on uh, his issues with the league. Some point we got to start looking at the mental health of people around us, not just NHL, but everyone in society, and see how can we start getting back to normalcy because the problem is going to be huge. But being lied to us about things changing to for, kind of force us to take the vaccine, unacceptable. And to now when we have taken the vaccine, to have the excuse of saying, nah, it's not, we're not changing because of competitive advantage. It's outrageous. What is he talking about with the competitive advantage? What is the NHL leaning on in terms of not lifting its restrictions? To make one quick correction, third time's the charm. Edmonton bubble, not Winnipeg bubble. You know, <laughs> you've, eventually you name enough You name yeah. enough Canadian cities and you'll get there. Um, so Robin Leonard was referring to having seen, heard, we're not quite sure from whom or where, information that the NHL was going to consider going to a plan like that of Major League Baseball or the NBA, and which at a certain threshold of players getting vaccinated within a team, that team would be allowed to relax its COVID protocols. But the idea of, well, will it affect competitive balance or not, was Robin Leonard believing that that meant it was a league-wide goal that had to be achieved as opposed to a team-by-team goal because he's saying, well, that what he's hearing, that what he understands is that one team can't have its protocols relaxed while another team is still under them because that would give a competitive advantage to one team or another. So the league doesn't want to reward people for getting the vaccine. In, in, Robin, in Robin Leonard's eyes. Who do you believe? In the end, when we talk about a player getting to the point of saying the kind of stuff that Robin Leonard did today, it's ultimately on the league. It has to be because the league is the one setting the rules here, right? The players are the ones just trying to conform to whatever the league puts out there. So if the league has been unclear enough in its communication that Robin Leonard somehow got to the point of thinking this, whether Bill Daly, the, you know, the number two in the NHL, believes it's true or not, it's on the league in the end. Robin Leonard didn't come up with the idea on his own. The league has been setting the rules for everybody. The, uh, the deputy commissioner, as you mentioned, Bill Daly, said, I respect Robin's views and feelings. It's a tough situation. Having said that, I reject the assertion that any promises were ever made on protocol changes related to player vaccination. It's a thorny issue. Is it or would it be okay for the league to reward certain teams for having more players that get the vaccine? Is that a bad thing? Absolutely not. You're not being forced. You're not being forced. You're they are incentivizing. I mean hell in the 
in the NFL, you are essentially being forced. If you work in the organization and you don't get the vaccine, they told you last week that you will not have access to the players, whatever tier one and tier two is. So forced, strong word, but incentivized, yes. Which in those cases, the incentive, you know, the incentivizing is in place, but also saying, uh, you know what, you can't do your job if you don't get vaccinated. So why, why can't the NHL do that? Why can't there be a competitive imbalance? Or are we violating the, the rights of players? I should have the right to not get the vaccine. They do have the right to not get the vaccine. They have right. every right to do it. And then, well, then, guess what? Then you don't get to go back to normal life. Exactly. Right? And, and the idea of there's a trade-off between getting it and not getting it that is about freedom. No. No. They're not telling you you can't come to work. They're not telling you you don't get to be part of the team. They're not telling you you're being denied the ability to do your job. No. None of that is changing. What they're telling you is that if you have taken the steps to get to the point where you have proven that you are vaccinated, you no longer need to be in certain protocols because science has proven that certain activities are safe. The CDC has said fully vaccinated people can hang out together. Don't go out there and start licking handrails, but you certainly can be in groups. Well, we got a lot more on Leonard. As Robin Leonard uh, sent out some tweets to attempt to clarify, uh, I also saw some people reacting to it, as many people do when these issues creep into sports. Hey, how about just sticking to sports? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, we're going there? Yeah, we might be going there. Uh, we'll get into more of what Leonard said in terms of his clarification. But, yeah, Robin Leonard flips out today on the NHL. The NHL responds by saying Robin Leonard is the liar. We're not the liar. Interesting stuff. Path to the draft. We continue to get you ready for the NFL draft next Thursday as we're inside of the top ten. The Bengals are next up on the board as uh, – Former NFL player, former Notre Dame player, big-time radio host in Cincinnati, Rocky Boyman, will join us. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Hey, I'm doing it up. It's time for Cofield and Company's Path to the Draft, presented by Weed Sellers, weedsellers.com. That's weed, C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com. Continue our look at the NFL draft as we've been bringing on experts, counting from uh, 32 up to number one. This guy does radio in Cincinnati on WLW, played in the NFL, played high-level college football as well, has lots of thoughts, lots of opinions. Rocky Boyman, nice enough to give us a couple minutes here. What's up, Rocky? How are you? I am great. Uh, things are well here in Cincinnati. How you guys doing? We're good. We're real good. Uh, I got to get your opinion on the uh, big story around the country in the NFL, and you know, real big story here in Vegas. I don't know if you guys had a chance to talk about it yet, but the uh, the tweet last night with regards to George Floyd and Derek Chauvin from the uh, Raiders saying, "I can breathe." You know, look, it's one of those things, and it's weird. Like, I, I didn't. I, I stopped playing. My last year was uh, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, which wasn't exactly that long ago, but even that short time ago, it was kind of just policy. Look, we're not going to get involved in, in, in things just because there's too many things that can go wrong, right? There's too many, you know, you don't know how things are going to be perceived. And obviously that was before social media. Social media has changed everything. So I, I think there's obviously pressure on a lot of these teams, whether it's college teams, pro teams, whatever, to, to have a voice and to say something. Uh, it, but it's look, we live in a world where things are always going to get 
perceived one way by one person and another way by another person. I don't think their intent was was to be provocative or, or say something wrong. I think they're trying to be sympathetic, uh, but it just kind of shows what can go wrong when teams, organizations, leagues are, are forced to comment on stuff that really isn't their their business. Mark Davis said he's the one who uh, had the idea. He's the one who tweeted it. If that's true, should owners pretty much stay out of the uh, the Twitter uh, social justice warrior game and you know hire professionals to do that who are going to have a cross section of folks to kind of you know run the message across uh, you know a bunch of folks. What do you think of Mark Davis being involved in this? I don't believe for one second that Mark Davis picked up his phone, thought about hmm, what should yeah. I write here, and typed it. No yeah. way. Yeah. This was. Someone in the organization, someone who has paid a lot of money by the organization to tweet responsible things and messaging that we want, who did something wrong. But Mark Davis, being like any good leader should do, he falls on the sword. Hey, the buck stops with me, and it was sent out, and ultimately I'm responsible. I do not think that he's the one that, that wrote that thing. Uh, I, I, it's hard to imagine that when these things, again, are talked about amongst the, the folks in charge of, of sending out tweets and doing that, how this one could have, how a bunch of people could have sat around and said, you know what, this is probably a good idea to, to, to send this one. I, so I don't know how it all happened, but I do not believe that Mark Davis was the one who did it. How has Cincinnati reacted the last couple of days or whatever, the last day and a half to the Chauvin verdict? Um, you know, look, on my show, which, you know, we do sports, we do a little bit of, of everything, and it's we, we've talked about it um, uh, the last, I mean, really for the last couple of months as it's been going on off and on, and really heavily yesterday, obviously, that the news actually broke of the verdict uh, during our show. Um, I think, look, I think most people, um, and even most cops, think that justice was served. You know, and, and, I, and to me, I look at it and say, golly, how did at some point, and Derek Chauvin knew he was on tape, knew he was being filmed, knew it was going to be on body camera, yet still didn't do anything different. I don't know if it was a power play by him. I don't know exactly what his intentions were. Uh, I, I think the whole situation is, is unfortunate. Uh, but I think most people uh, think that uh, justice was served. And I know there's some you know, people argue about whether the jury um, concerned about possible violence, that that deterred their thinking. I don't know. I just ultimately think that uh, justice. Yeah, and I was going to say Cincinnati does have a history. What was it back in two thousand one? Uh, riots yeah. around the, the shooting of Timothy yeah. Thomas and Stephen Roach was the uh, police officer at the time. So that city knows about this very well. You, you got a good memory. We just had the twentieth uh, anniversary of, of that. Uh, what about a month ago? So yes. Rocky Boyman's with us. WLW former NFL player, Super Bowl champ. All right. Well, let's get into the Bengals. First of all, let's set up the draft by talking about what the Bengals did in the off season. So, what were the impact signings that filled some holes going into the draft? Well, they, I think it was kind of an underwhelming offseason, if you ask me. I think if you ask a lot of, of Bengals fans, um, you know, some players were added, I think, that have some, some high upside potential, but, but no real splashes. I, I think this is a team that I believe was in the top six or eight in terms of free agency money to spend. Didn't really make any of those splash signings, uh, especially the offensive line position. Uh, obviously, here in Cincinnati, everyone believes that Joe Burrow is the guy. We, we nailed that pick, and he is the quarterback of the future moving forward. Uh, but the issue is, how do you protect that investment? And he got injured last year and was trying to do a lot of things, and uh, the protection wasn't there. So folks were hoping more was that would be done 
in terms of free agency. Now, should the Bengals have gone out and signed Joe uh, Tooney to that unbelievably huge contract, uh, 30-something million dollar signing bonus? I think? No, they, they shouldn't have done that. But I, I think some were, including myself, hoping they would have got a little bit more active. They did sign uh, Riley Reef. He may turn out to be pretty good. He's never been to a Pro Bowl, but you know he may be a guy that, that could help out. Um, but I, I just think, the, I, I personally think, I think you and I have talked about this, offensive line is the hardest position to, to nab uh, in terms of the draft and from college. So when you identify offensive linemen that can play, man, you, you want to get them and, and, and make it a priority to keep those guys. Or if they do come up in free agency, try to get them on your football team because they're, they're a little bit harder to find now than they were, I think, even 10 or 15 years ago. So it was kind of a ho-hum offseason. I, I can't sit here right now and say the Bengals are better today than they were uh, at the last game of the season. Speaking specifically to the offensive line, you talk about the signing of Reef to play guard. You've got Jonah Williams coming back into the mix. Do you feel like the way they approach the offensive line is as clear a signal as the organization could have given that Panay Sewell is the guy at number five? I don't know, because if you're here in town, it's everybody seems to think it's going to be Jamar Chase. The biggest reason, obviously, being he played with Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow and he have, have great rapport. And obviously, look, he's a, he's a very, very talented wide receiver. And you look at the fact that while the Bengals, they addressed the cornerback very, very heavily in free agency. They addressed defensive end. They addressed offensive line with a signing of reef. One thing they didn't touch was wide receiver. So if you look at that way, you say you know, maybe Jamar Chase, especially given the rapport with Joe Burrow, that, that's the, the direction they're going to go. I do not personally think they should go that way. I, I am for drafting either Sewell or Slater because of the, what I just said earlier, protect the investment. You know, we help Joe Burrow out. If he has time and is protected and can stay healthy, I, I think he can be a great player. Plus, I, I just think you look at recent history in the NFL, wide receivers draft in the first round are like 50-50 for being busts. You know, and you, know, you get the Corey Davises, you get the Nikhil Harris guys that were – oh, my God, these guys can't miss. They're going to be unbelievable wide receivers. It tends to not work out that way anywhere close to being a guaranteed thing with first-round wide receivers. So I say Silver Slater. But I think popular opinion here in town is that uh, they're going to take Jamar Chase. It just feels, Rocky, like there is a much bigger gap between Sewell or Slater and the next crop of offensive linemen yes. than there yes. is between Jamar Chase and the next group of receivers that could be acquired. And you look at what was going on with the Bengals last year, and prior to Burrow's injury, he had been sacked more than any quarterback in the NFL. So it seems to me that protecting that investment has to be number one for this franchise. You and I see it exactly the same way. As I analyze this draft, I, I think – Penny Soul and Rashawn Slater, and maybe, I don't know, maybe Christian Darasol. I like him from Virginia Tech. I think those are the three far and away elite linemen. And then after that, I think there's some good linemen, but, but those are the elite ones. Wide receiver, yes, Jamar Chase is the best wide receiver in the draft, but I, I see wide receivers all throughout this draft. So how do you really – you keep kicking the can down the road if you're the Bengals, right? We didn't really address it heavily in the offseason offensive line. Oh, okay, we'll go in the draft. And Well, we really like wide receivers, so we'll get an offensive lineman in the second or maybe the third round. Well, then you, only, you, can, you can get into a cycle, guys, where you keep kicking that can down the road here. I think if you have a chance to get a what is 
largely widely agreed on to be two transcendent type of linemen in either Sewell or Slater, you take that opportunity to get it, and then you can always find a wide receiver later in this draft. And you look at what they have at wide receiver, and you feel like T. Higgins emerged as a rookie last year. Tyler Boyd is a reliable player. Mm -hmm. It's not like the cupboard is bare for them at wide receiver, right? No, and I think if this team was close, if this team was boy, we're a a playmaker away from – you know, vying for the winner of this, this division, then, yeah, you do that. But I, I don't think anybody believes this team is in a position to, to, to vie for the, for the division next year. So let's build, let's look a little more, let's look a two years, three years out here, maybe even further, and, and solidify our offensive line, get a 20- or 21-year-old kid in here with great talent that, that can play that position, hopefully, you know, occupy that thing for, for a good long time here versus saying, I think if you draft Jamar Chase, if you're really close, man, we just need that one last playmaker to get this team over the hump. I think that this team is is a few players away from actually being where they want to be. Rocky Boyman with us. Uh, last one, Rocky. You know, we're tied together kind of loosely in the college basketball world, Vegas and Cincinnati, because of the Mick Cronin thing years back where he uh, you know teased UNLV a bit. He goes back to Cincinnati. Now he's gone from Cincy. He goes to UCLA, makes the title game. <laughs> what in God's name just happened with John Brandon? Was this tough love? gone wrong you know the kids are being pansies or was he totally out of control it's it's interesting you say that because it's hard to really read the tea leaves even here in town i i think it's it's a combination of both not not to take a cop-out answer here but i think yes from what everyone i've talked to i i think the players were you know upset that uh, he didn't call them. He didn't ask how they were doing, and all that. And I'm thinking again, as a guy who didn't play, it wasn't that long ago. Like you know, Bob Davey never called me on the weekend and said, "Hey, Rocky, how you feeling? Are, are you in a good place? Are you you happy with?" No, it's like you showed up and you, you did your deal. And if you didn't like what the coach did, then tough. And you had to kind of fight through that. And you use that as as motivation. So I think there may be some semblance of at play here of hey, maybe these players are a little bit. You know, you know, wonder wonder why their parents can't show up at practice and things like that. My dad could never show up at, at practice and watch me. What, what are we talking about here? So is it, so is it a little bit of you know, the players maybe a little bit softer, a little bit gen- different generation? But I also think that you, we can say that boy, it's, it's, it's times uh, times of change and all that. But that's the reality. And if you're a coach today. You need to realize what you're operating with, and I think especially with the transfer portal being open, you have to realize now as a coach that the days of recruiting your players until the day they sign, and then you don't have to worry about them, I, I think are over. For better or for worse, that's over. you got to continue to recruit the players that are on your team, and I don't think I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think that's the reality. What was there, 1,200, 1,400 players? To enter the transfer portal. This yeah. is something that, that happens, and you got to do things differently. You can complain that the, the situation is like it is and that it sucks and it's stupid. Yes, but you also have to say, look, this, these are the conditions we have to operate in if you're a coach. Rocky, thank you. We know your schedule's tight. We appreciate it. Guys, always a pleasure. Thanks. There he is. Rocky Boyman, Cincinnati guy, doing radio in Cincinnati, played at Notre Dame, played in the NFL, Super Bowl champion. And, yeah, the Cincinnati situation is interesting to follow from here, Candy, because uh, Brannon cost himself the job. You know, I'm sure Bearcat fans are all pissed off because Mick Cronin bailed on him and almost won a national championship and is probably going to have a top-five team in the country 
coming back. Now, Wes Miller was hired, and this will be interesting to track. I'm not saying Cincinnati is North Carolina, but if Wes Miller achieves as a the Bearcat coach and Hubert Davis doesn't get Carolina you know, back to a level of winning national championships, those guys will be graded against each other. Reminder, we've got a great NFL draft contest. Go up to lvsportsnetwork.com. It's our drafting for dough. It's lvsportsnetwork.com. ESPN Las Vegas and the uh, DeHart team, Nova Home Loans, are giving a lucky winner $1,000 in cash, $250 gift card as well to the Raiders Image Store. All you got to do is make the right picks, right picks, right slots with the teams. We've got drop-down menus all over the uh, contest page at lvsportsnetwork.com, and uh, the winner will get $1,000 in cash, $250 gift card to the Raiders Image Store. But you got to go up to lvsportsnetwork.com today. Entries must be in by next Wednesday, and it's all brought to you by the DeHart team and Nova Home Loans are drafting for dough. NFL Draft Contest at lvsportsnetwork.com. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Panay Sewell, let me say it again. Panay Sewell or else. Cincinnati Bengals. I liked what uh, Rocky Boyman was saying. Rocky was just on, was talking about the Bengals in the five hole. Listen, the shiny objects, and I think Jamar Chase is going to be freaking awesome. Kyle Pitts, not so sure on him. They're all nice, but when your quarterback's been broken in half and has a torn ACL and was sacked 55,000 times, I mean, this is a no-brainer. Right, Candy? you got to take the offensive lineman. I'm not going to go so far as to call it a no-brainer, but you have to take Panay Sewell. You don't just have to take the offensive lineman. You have to take Panay Sewell, a guy who was in the discussion for the number one pick before all of these quarterbacks came out and became the true shiny objects at the top of the draft. But, look, Jamar Chase is fantastic. There is a chance you regret drafting Jamar Chase. There is almost no chance you regret drafting Panay Sewell. Yeah, I would have been fine if the Jets had stuck with Sam Darnold dropped down a few spots and gotten Sewell and extra draft capital. But that was not the path they decided to go on. But that's how much I like Panay Sewell. You build the team with the offensive line. You build the team on the defensive line. You build the team with cornerbacks. You don't necessarily build it with top five picks in the NFL drafted wide receiver. Very risky. Very risky. Some more NFL news. NFL Network and Red Zone has not been available on Hulu. I find that to be a giant pain in the ass. What's your TV provider? Are you still doing cable? Are you still uh, courting it? I have DirecTV, but I largely have had DirecTV for a number of years for two things. One, to get the S Network from New York, because it's the only way in Las Vegas to get the S Network. And two, to get the Red Zone. Yeah. So it looks like uh, NFL Network and Red Zone will be on Hulu, their live TV, by August 1st. So that's a good thing. Next step is for the NFL to get itself uh, extricated from its deal. Well, it's just going to let it run out. Uh, its deal with Sunday Ticket, and let's let's really get this going the right way and have widespread availability of Sunday Ticket. you think the league's going to be smart enough to do that, or are they going to try to do a – you know, another money grab and make it, you know, one exclusive carrier. 
Look at the deal they just did for sports betting, and I think it'll tell you what they're going to try to do with Sunday ticket. Yep. Because with sports betting, they had the option to say, well, we'll just get, you know, DraftKings, FanDuel, whoever it is. They'll be our one sports book. No. They found three sports books, DraftKings, FanDuel, and Caesars, who were all willing to be, and I love this word they made up, tri-exclusive partners <laughs> with the NFL. Because yeah. being in the NFL sphere is worth having to share exclusive with two other companies. Look what they did with the broadcast rights going with Amazon and, of course, with their own network and CBS and Fox and NBC. They know that they're big enough that they can spread it out, so I think they are going to try to get Sunday Ticket farther and wider. They'd better, because this has been a nightmare for the longest time. And, I mean, the handwriting's on the wall, too, with DirecTV. It's, the purchase by AT&T was just a total disaster. So I'm not saying that Football's keeping it afloat, but certain certain demographics are probably only with DirecTV for the football package. Dude, sports are, like I mentioned a moment ago, sports, the only reason. And I just got my bill, and my lazy self just saw that for, like, for the third straight month, I'm off my promo price now, and I'm back up to like double what they originally told me I was going to be paying. And AT&T has made the whole experience so awful. They've actually succeeded. They've made customer service so hard that I don't want to call and fight with them. Yep. Like, I don't want to call and deal with it. And so I've just been like, yeah, I think it's worth the extra, you know, 40 bucks to just be like, right now, I don't, I don't need this headache. And so I see this news about the Red Zone coming to Hulu. And I think to myself, you know, if I can get Red Zone... And then I feel like I'm up to date on football throughout uh, the season. Then it might be worth it. Do you think at companies like that, there's actually there's a memo in place. There are actually meetings. There there's training that actually tells the customer service reps like, listen, this job is going to suck. It's going to be a living hell. But you need to be unrelenting when it comes to being I'm trying to put it the right way. I guess uncooperative like like do not cooperate do not bend just yes people to death don't get emotional just let them torture themselves into a pit of frustration so they're like candy where they're like you know what i give up i'll just pay the money screw you i'm not gonna call i'm i'll fix you by paying more yeah they fixed me here's how they fixed me i will try to give you just the short version of this because this had my blood pressure up to about 1,000 over 900. Yeah. So I tried after years of being with them. I looked online. I researched it. I figured, okay, what are the steps you have to go through to get a better price, to get a better deal, this and that? And there are forums out there, Reddits and so on, that you can figure out, okay, here are the right things you need to say. Really? Went through, went through the whole process. Went through the whole thing. You had a cheat sheet. I had a cheat <laughs> sheet in hand. And most of the damn thing had worked. Yeah. And now I get to the point where I'm talking to a guy and we finally come to an agreement where I'm like, wow, I think I got what I wanted. Like, okay, not too bad, right? It wasn't the greatest deal, but it was a lot better than what I had. And then I go and look the next day at what the guy signed me up for, and it was nothing of what we'd agreed to. Nothing. I got back on the phone the next day and was like, what in the hell is this? And they're like, we have no record of that. It shows right here that this is what you signed up for. Well, I'm not going to be able to relay the story the right way, but I will tell you in a nutshell, um, one of the friends of the show, and I do the podcast with him tonight, Petro, told a story 
about two weeks ago, and, and Saran, who does radio at WHB in Kansas City, is a lunatic. Like, he, he if you want to fight, you want to fight? Let's go. Like, he is ready. He had the same exact thing happen, except he recorded the call. And when they didn't come through with the promise, he led them down the path of like, no, no record, didn't say that. And he's like, okay, here it is. Played it, and the person on the phone was like, oh, okay. Sorry, sir, we'll give you exactly what we promised you. And I think that's the only way way you're going to get it. Um, And I, I will tell you, there, I talk to so many people who deal with the TV providers who are like, yeah, I just call up, just work a deal. They change my deal all the time. They lower the price. They spiff me. They bonus me. And I'm like, I, what do you – either you're lying or you're lying about the process, which doesn't take five minutes. You're having to invest two and a half hours of arguing. Or I'm just a horse's ass and just not likable, which is probably the third. But I, I don't know. I, I, hear, I hear from other people who are like, yep, never had a problem ever. They always listen. They will uh, threaten this, and they will give it to me for free. I'm like, that never happened to me. So instead of like you, where you're like, I'll just pay the money, um, you know, I took out the proverbial snippers and cut the cord. So now, in in the end, as I've mentioned many times, I think I'm paying triple what I was paying, but I never have to talk to anyone. And uh, now it's just all digital. So a lot of my stuff is through Amazon. So I'm guessing I'm supposed to pay probably, I don't know, you know, $14 a month total from Amazon with all the stuff I get there. And it, it's probably $100. I, but, but it's in a bill, so I don't see it. So I, whatever. But see, they know. They know they have sports fans over the barrel. We are, we, are, we are the one demo that all of these cable providers and satellite providers have left yeah. that they can take us and spank us and we come back asking for more because we have no way around it. There's no way to get everything you want when it comes to being a sports fan on your TV screen by going and just cutting cords left and right and buying every package. You still can't get everything that you want. It's unreal. I, I, I no. pay what I pay every month. Part of the reason I've stuck with DirecTV was because it was one of the only places that I could get AT&T Sportsnet to get Golden Knights games because, hey, I'd like to be able to watch the team that we cover on a day-to-day basis and... Even paying what I pay, I took my iPad out in the yard last night or a couple nights ago because it was a beautiful night. I thought, I'd like to sit out in the yard and watch the hockey game. I'm going to use the DirecTV app on my iPad to watch the hockey game. Nope, can't get that channel. It's The box is sitting 20 feet away from me. The box is 20 feet away, and it says you have to be on the same Wi-Fi network. Well, I'm on the same Wi-Fi network, but I can't get what's on that screen over to this screen. Come on now. Well, here's the good news. Let, let me get back to my normal glass overflowing self. Mm. You do have access to the NFL. This coming season, as we're finding out about some of the rules that have been or tweaks that are, they're going to put in place for the 2021 season, and some they denied. We'll get to some they denied in a couple minutes. Uh, apparently, Candy, one of the things that they're uh, insistent on is coming to a TV near you in the fall when it comes to the NFL is those celebrations, those exhibits of exuberance. No, no, no. We've let the players have too much fun. We're going to go back to the no fun league in some regards. And the officials who can barely handle all the responsibilities of the game as it exists now will now have to be subjective on what is a proper celebration 
and what is not. They're going to start flagging players for being a bit too jolly on big plays. Ugh. And you are the – I would – you may be one of the biggest backers of officials in all of Sports Talk Radio because you do it yourself. What do you think of this? I think this is hot garbage. <laughs> when was the last time you turned on an NFL broadcast and said to yourself, you know, I wish the officials were a little bit more involved in this game? Yep. It doesn't happen, right? And here we go. Here we go with Candy defending the officials again, right? NFL officials probably have the hardest job in sports outside of the NBA. They have rules over rules over rules, and these guys are enormous and lightning fast. It is next to impossible to call this game accurately over and over again, and yet for the most part they do. But now, apparently, according to what we heard today, because the competition committee approved rule changes for next year, and one of them that came out was some coaches saying, well, we feel like the taunting's gone a little bit too far, the standing over players and the jawing at them. Even if you believe that, ask that coach the first time one of his players gets called for taunting in the middle of a key drive in the fourth quarter, ask him if he still feels like taunting is gone too far in the NFL or if he's going to come back and say, well, you know what? In March, this is what I was saying I wanted, and I feel like uh, you, Mr. Official, who just had to watch for holding and turned your head at the last second and saw my guy retaliate, yeah, I, I think I, I need to back off. I, I need to be a reasonable human. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.